Hello, this is Brian from A Day Without Love, and you are listening to Beyond the Static. I sing in houses, and you sing for corporate. I know that one of us sucks. I can say and do what I want. DIY or die to me. Change the way you live your life. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to a long overdue episode of Beyond the Stat. On this episode, I interview Brian Walker of A Day Without Love. You just heard his new single, DIY or Die. This is honestly one of, if not the most enlightening conversation that I've had on Beyond the Stat. You guys are going to love what he has to say. I hope you get as much out of it as I did. But first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. What's up? We got Brian from A Day Without Love joining us here on Beyond the Static. What is up, my dude? Doing well, doing well. I'm glad to be here. How's it going? Never been better. So um, I'm going to let you go ahead and start out with introductions. Tell the world about yourself, what uh, what you think that we all need to know. Certainly. So uh, my project's called A Day Without Love. Uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I also run a podcast, too, called Dreams Not Memes. It's currently on a brief hiatus. Uh, and I've been touring and writing. Uh, I've been touring for about five years and writing for about nine years. And uh, I have a new song coming out this week called DIY or Die. And it's about the artist's decision to always choose between staying independent or going corporate for one of the big, big majors. And, and how do they really feel about that uh, in their in their life as an artist? So. Yeah, dude. Um, so 
I was listening to the song and, you know, mm-hmm. and I was listening to um, show friends and, and some other stuff. And it's like, you know what I realized about you is like you have this like simplicity of lyrics where you're just like, no, this is the story. Like, I'm not like the line like I sing in houses, you sing for corporate. And then like everywhere I go, I make friends like what mm-hmm. what made you go in that direction of like just like I'm just saying the story and I'm not really trying to like, like butter it up, I guess, for lack of a better. Certainly. Um, I think it came from two perspectives. One, I realized that when I wrote lyrics in abstract or like wrote songs that just had a lot of words, it didn't catch people's as much like attention as much. And something that I do want to do is tell a story but make it accessible. So I thought if I write simplistically, I'm going to be more accessible. That was the first reason. And then the other thing is like for this record that I have coming out next year, it was originally a record that was designed to be part of a documentary called Safe and Sound, uh, which is all about touring and things like that. And then um, I decided, well, what if I created a soundtrack to a touring musician's life as opposed to like it for the documentary and i said and not only that what if that soundtrack or that record was like an everyday alt person's guideline to keep going and i can't make that complex i have to make it simple so i thought you know sonically it's going to be different but lyrically it has to be accessible no matter what the song so that was that was my big reason for that. That that makes sense. That's an interesting concept. The, um, like the soundtrack to a touring musician's life. Um, so you recently got off tour. I remember mm-hmm. remember yep. that. Um, what's a normal tour look like for you? Or and and or what was this tour like? Any like interesting tour anecdotes? Oh yeah yeah. yeah. So like a normal tour for me is typically you know. Um, anywhere between four to fifty, and I'll travel typically in a like a, a focused region. Like I might do a New England tour, and I'll be like four or five days there, or I'll do um, a southern tour. You know, like I'm only in the south for this tour, but this tour was different because I was in multiple regions. Like for a week, I was in the south, and then I was in the Delta South, then I was in Southwest, and then I'm in you know, the West Coast, and then I'm in the mountain range, I'm in the Northwest, and then I'm in the middle, like, so that was, like, very different for me, and was also different for me because I was with, like, my significant other, who also was my bandmate, you know, so, like, there was definitely things that we had to, like, relearn and rediscover about each other, Um, but I could definitely say each tour, I set different expectations for myself, whether that be personally, uh, whether that be financially, uh, or whether it be socially. So like, you know, I don't just do that for tours. I do that for shows too. So like the last show I played, which was like a few days ago in uh, Rockland, Massachusetts, that was a festival. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just make internet content out of this and use that to promote my, my album, you know, or the last big tour I wanted to be that to be like a digital guide to what it's like being on a national tour when you did it yourself because a lot of times we socialize tour with like famous musicians but we a lot of us don't know that like 
to become famous, you have to be a not famous touring musician. <laughs> you don't just pop out and start touring as a famous person. You have to, you know, pay your dues. So, yeah, that's it's, I think it's, I answered the questions. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like how's a digital guy because uh, me like knowing you uh, on a personal level, I see your your post and um, I actually haven't done it yet, but I I would like screenshot your post with the intention of like reposting them here as like as like internet content like hey this is what you know this is what musicians are saying and you know or like this is like really interesting point um all right so speaking of of goals i know your goal was to get a thousand spotify followers Mm -hmm. i don't remember the exact story but i remember us talking earlier about how you flipped a sort of rejection into uh, email into getting followers. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. It wasn't a rejection email. It was um, more of a call out post. So uh, submit hub uh, is a platform that musicians underground and sign use to connect to platforms like blogs, playlists, and things like that. And uh, someone basically promoted show friends with blackface. And I screenshotted it and I shared it with Submit Hub. And then the creator came after me. And what he didn't realize is even though he was being offensive towards me, more people started supporting me. Um, Now my goal at the time was just to speak under against the injustice, but it also led me to getting more listeners. Um, and I'm not one of those people that's like, I'll do anything to get listeners. Like, I don't want to be racially offended just for the fact of being heard, but that is what happened as the result of the outcome. So, yeah. Like, what made him think that he that that was okay? To this day, I don't know. Um, you know, it was a younger creator person claimed to be 25. I'm pretty sure the person was like 18 or 19 or 20 or something like that. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're from a different country, but they tried to say like racism doesn't exist in Mexico, which, you know, a quick Google uh, shows that that's not true because racism definitely exists in Mexico. Very much uh, so. You know, there's the whole light skin versus dark skin Mexicans and, and things like that. We don't want to go down that tangent, but um, it just, it seemed just very odd to me. Um, and, and I definitely believe that in internet culture, actually a friend of mine sent me um, a text earlier today that there's this clash in internet content creation between like artists, musicians, genuine well i don't even want to call them genuine but content creators like the people that are neither musician or artist but they call themselves content creators you know there's this clash between am i creating art for me and the hope that others connect to it and am i creating art for shock value so i can appeal an algorithm so eventually i get those rewards such as like the sponsorships the donations and things like that and you know, judging by this person's other content, I think that they were just looking to make fun of a black person that made rock music. But keep in mind, the other loophole I should probably share is Submit Hub has this program where 
you pay like five, 10, 20, even 300. In this case, I paid like 15 bucks and, you know, influencers match your songs. You don't choose the influencer. The influencer chooses your song. So to put this into even further context, I just wanted someone to pick up my song and, and say something about it. And they just, they chose to be racist thinking they were promoting me. So, uh, yeah, it was weird. That's, weird. <clears throat> that's crazy I, I mean like so i i i know that struggle on like kind of both sides of, of it you know um i have a, a project of my own uh mm-hmm. called the archivist and um between doing this and like i have other um youtube channel and and stuff finding that balance between like like between artists and and like knowing like the value of art and why it's there and why i'm doing things on that nature versus the having the like almost insistence on like having to use like platforms like like tiktok and youtube to like get your name out but without but without like being like cheesy or like or uh over the top or or uh you know just going for that shock value um it's kind of it, it's a difficult line line to line to um to navigate like mm-hmm. how do you find yourself doing that like uh especially like as far as like social media goes and like the tiktoks and the influencer world because like they're not necessarily the influencers aren't necessarily like, like you said, they're not artists. They're just, they're, they're like people who get famous for being just for the sake of being famous in a way. Yeah. And, and it's, I call it a new level of narcissism because like you have these people that they're, they're not comedians. They're not artists. They're not musicians. They're not actors. They're not educators. Uh, they just exist in the hopes for platform you know, and for a platform that doesn't really provide anything. And um, I know for myself as a musician or a creative person, there are times that like I might seemingly delve away and um, like for a, for a little brief period, I was posting comedy skits about DIY culture uh, on TikTok and YouTube. Like I have a how to book a DIY show and it's, it's, it's satire, but like that's not me trying to get famous or blow up that's me being funny and just wanting to put something on youtube just because like that that, i think that video has like 100 views you know if if that video got 200,000 views like a week from now i mean probably not gonna happen i wouldn't be motivated by those views so like younger than me it was like i have to do everything to get the attention and then when I realized I was getting attention by doing what's natural to me, I said, okay, I don't have to create on the basis and necessity of appeasing to people or what I think appeases to people, but I can create on what I enjoy and also based on how I enjoy connecting with others without sacrificing who I am. Now, that doesn't mean I don't care or like I'm of the punk variety of like, you know, notoriety is capitalistic. Like I'm not one of those people, but I'm really always about comfort over everything because like whether you're working a day job 
don't work a day job that you're not comfortable with it don't don't befriend people you're not comfortable with don't do music if you're not exactly comfortable with it that's kind of like my perspective on creating on the internet so like yeah you have these tools that have all these rules like TikTok they say post three times a day I don't post three times a day there's some days I will post nine times a day and not post again for two weeks and there's times and that's not because of anxiety it's about comfort you know uh, same with Instagram like I might go on a two to three week binging era and it, and it might be promotion related or it might be creatively related but again it's all about comfort you know like this song DIY or die I didn't do booty shorts and um, you know the, these cut up shirts for attention I did it because I wanted a certain demographic of people to rock merch that promotes independent <coughs> culture you know so I guess what I'm trying to say is like I create by being intentional and attaching meaning to it but it doesn't mean that I'm better or worse than other people it just means for me that I think it might give you a lot less stress when you create without thinking about a result that you can't control like it's good to be results driven but also think about what you can't control because like once you accept what you can't control a lot more things become more meaningful to you so yeah so in your mind what are those what are those things that you're for sure like i'm in control of this and this is the only or the best things that I can do as a musician to like further my, my career or just my reach or, um, you know, just, just to get the, the, the name out there. Surely. So like I'm in control of reaching out to people to book me a show, but I'm not in control of whether they say yes or not. But I have noticed that the more that I knock on doors, the more people come out because something that I think a lot of us think is if that venue doesn't work out, then I'm doomed to ever play that venue. Well, insider information, most people that work at venues, they're only working there for two to three months. So like if you gig somewhere on a January, by the time you play there in July, that venue has a completely new staff, might even have a new owner, might not even exist. So it's just kind of like so like venues might not exist you know so that's the first thing which shows and like things you can't control is like the gift of being persistent and consistent will get you into a venue same with house shows like don't take it personal that a house might not invite you to play because that house might only be able to have so many bands so like go on to the next house or the next space right coffee shops etc another thing you can control you can't control what people think of your first album or your second album, but you can't control being a better musician. So always ask yourself, like, what did I do in the last album that wasn't that great that I can make better in the next album? And if not, it's album, think about it single to single or, or uh, EP to EP or collab to collab. And also remember the gift of longevity because there's going to also be periods where you don't know what to say but you have a catalog where you didn't promote it enough um to quote tyler the creator of all people a lot of people in this generation are posting a song or doing the whole have been on instagram in a while but i have been hiking in the mountains 
Unless you are world known, there is always something you can do to promote yourself. And that is something you can control. So it's almost like what I'm, no matter how many different ways you curate it and post it and things like that, you can keep going and have more people see you. And then once you are seen, people could do that back research and go, wow, this person really tried being funny or being good at music or good at, um, sing I mean, good at making art. Never control how people think about you. And that doesn't mean don't promote yourself, don't connect with other people. What it means is stay true to your word, but don't take it personal when you don't get the results desired because sometimes it doesn't work immediately. Sometimes it, it takes a journey or it takes a village. Speaking of comfort, what's it like uh, adjusting to a new music scene? Because like, obviously I met you in Philly and you were part of this scene and you recently moved uh moved away up to Massachusetts. Um, are there any like just general things that that you've noticed between going between music scenes or is there anything in specific, anything in particular going from Philly to Massachusetts or vice versa? Like, like how, how's that adjustment for you? So I can only say that the adjustment here um... It's mostly like there, there's a different level of pride. Like in Philly, there's there's like a competitive but edgy pride that you can fall in love with where people are like, you know, gritty, not in the hockey way, but like they're very grungy about what they do. Like, hey, this basement is called Gasly's Basement and we love it here, but the basement will just be very dirty, but all the bands play there and somehow we tolerate it. You know, like that, that's like funny, but beautiful at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas like here, what I'm learning is there's a strong sense of community driven localism. And what I mean by that is like everyone's trying to create something, but they're not trying to take away from anybody. And if anything, they're trying to find what's the best way to help someone from a creative perspective. And, and I mean, everybody in the best way I know, like, I know it's only been two months, but, like, I went to, like, 15 to 20 different restaurants, and I asked them, hey, can I post up a flyer of my band? It's not promoting anything. It's just promoting myself. I'm a new musician around here. And they were like, sure, we'll play your music in the store. You can't really do that in Philly, because if you walk in, they're going to look at you like, dang, another musician? Nah, have a nice day. Unless it's an actual event. You know, you can promote the flyer, but how long it's going to stay there is a whole other story. But, like, you know, it might be less people, but it's not as less as Philly as you might think. Because, like, the whole entire area is about 2.5 million. And I'm pretty sure Philly's got, like, 2.5 million, too. It's just spread differently. Because I'm, I'm in the Western Mass Valley area around Springfield and Hamden County. And... That area, I, I'm pretty sure with all the towns considering, it's about the same amount as Philly, but the localism is just so strong. Like, you'll meet people that throw parties and all the food is from some small business, you know? So I, I guess that's a big thing that I'm learning. Um, the open mics here, like in Mass, are very community-driven, and a lot of the open mics in Philly, not all of them, there are good ones. Shout out Great Room. Great Room's a very good open mic. Shout out the, uh, I can't think of the name of the place, but the one that Kevin McCall has, that's another good one. But you also have your World Cafe Live open mic where it's a competition, you know, like open mic should be a competition. If you want to do a competition, 
call it a rap battle. <laughs> like, 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 you know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm just noticing a lot of that uh, in, in terms of the differences. But like, just as a touring artist, like DIY isn't is not the same everywhere. Like, there's differences. But it's the same in the sense that, like, don't book the touring band last um, because people are going to leave. That, that happens everywhere. Uh, don't uh, don't be a dick, you know. You know, being being a kind person always takes you a, a long way no matter where you are. Um, you never know who you might meet and they'll be able to help you later. Like, those things are always true. But I could definitely say that it's refreshing to, like, challenge myself again because uh, – just being a Philly native as well as a member of the Philadelphia scene, for me, a big reason why I had to leave was kind of, I just felt like I did it all almost. Like I had been on multiple radio stations. I had done like radio shows. Um, only things I didn't do was play like the Wells Fargo Center and Union Transfer and Exponential Fest and like, I don't necessarily have to stay in Philly to do those things. You know what I mean? So that, ma- yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I have a couple of things that I, that I could pick out of there. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you like, you've been touring, like what keeps you doing open mics? Like, <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, like for, for me, and you know what? And how do you do them consistently? Uh, and I'm asking that on a on a personal like like struggle kind of kind of thing. Like I know I sh- I should probably start doing some, but I, I'm just like how where like where do I find the time? Like where do I find the places? You know? Sure, sure, sure. So um, the reason why I do them is because I look at it like this. I know that I've done this a long time. And there's even times I get trapped in the whole, I should be bigger than I am. Where's my pitchfork review, et cetera, et cetera. Where's my Wikipedia page? I do I do get caught in that. I'm not going to lie. I do. But I also remember I haven't sung to everyone I could sing to. I haven't mastered my craft. And there's always a way to be better. So I have to ask myself, between those shows, between those tours, between those recording sessions, where do I give myself a place where I could practice in front of people, but it's not for money or, or social media likes, it's for practice. How could I practice my banner? It's almost like, open mic. It's yeah. almost like how a comedian approaches it. Exactly. I, I learned this from Hannibal Burris and Dave Chappelle. I was like, those are two dudes, very different political beliefs, that despite how famous they are, they still go to open mics. And I said to myself, no matter where I am as a musician, I could do that. Now, the question, how do I find them? Um, openmics.org. Uh, and it's Mike spelled m-i-k-e-s and it's just like a directory of u.s and canada sometimes europe of just open mics all over uh the world and also you use do diy sometimes they less open mics and just uh also you could just google them you know like this area i'm still learning about a lot of the open mics i joined western mass music community and uh I haven't been going to as most of them because like, you know, hashtag, I just started a job, hashtag finding an apartment. But <laughs> hashtag once I'm life. like, 
Yeah, yeah. Once I'm like fully settled, um, I'm probably gonna go a lot. Like I have a show in this area called Turner's Falls. I found I found out one of my local openers by playing an open mic. And and this kid, Matt Emmer, is so good. And uh they just played their first venue show ever. But like if you hear their music, you'd be like, This person's been playing forever. But it, it's just like cool to practice your craft and meet people that aren't necessarily part of a scene, but they're they're part of just music. So it's it's pretty cool to do that. Yeah. So um <clears throat> the I met you playing acoustic and yeah. the the songs that I'm hearing all sound like, you know, electric full band stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate having having that like as a kind of a solo artist having all of the the things kind of representing you online being like electric and like I find myself in a position where I want to have a full band, but I have to play acoustic a lot. Um, true, true. How do you make sure that that translates well and that like you get the point across? So in terms of the translation, that really comes with the fact that I do a big deal of the composition and arrangement. Like I don't play all of the instruments, but I get friends to do it with me. So um, it all starts with the guitar. Well, not all because I've written songs with banjo and ukulele, et cetera, et cetera. But it all starts with me. So that's how I'm able to translate it from full band to, to me. Um, but in terms of like, even though you didn't ask this, like, why do I remain recording full band despite being a solo artist? Well, this started as a full band project, you know, and I have had people backing me. But if I think about like, what's my intended experience with songs that I've written. It is full band. It's just harder to do when you're running your own project. Cause uh especially as a working musician, because like you're working with people that also need a budget in the same way that you're being budgeted. So um while I do have friends that will tour with me or play sh- shows and songs with me time to time, um if if God's willing, I would love to have like a full touring band that's about five, six deep with like maybe in seven with strings and stuff like that so nice um so we got about eight minutes left so there's a couple things i want to touch on so i'm just gonna sure. fire them out at you uh, okay one uh tell us a little bit about the festival you just played together fest For sure. um Two, I wanted to go into your music videos a little bit i watched the show friends video and i didn't okay. get a chance to watch caffeine yet but uh, okay are you planning a video for the new release? And you I mentioned am. street teaming, and I wanna I wanna dive into that a little bit. Yeah, certainly. So uh Together Fest was organized and run by Together Records, which is run by Justin Arena, who's a fellow touring buddy of mine who lives in Massachusetts. Uh we have been touring the same circuits for years, and we just met this year. Like very, very nice human, very wholesome. Definitely would recommend you interviewing them. Um, so Justin was like, you know, since you're newly to Massachusetts, I want to adopt you. I was like, okay, Justin. <laughs> and uh, they've helped me. I mean, they they pressed my crop tops, they're pressing my upcoming beauty shorts. Uh, and I used to work with Matt 
uh, down uh, in in Philly who who prints a lot of shirts and and Matt uh, has Do It Now t-shirts. So shout out to them. And then uh, Justin's partner Joel is a film student uh, in Boston, uh, and I'm going to go to Boston and shoot a music video uh, for DIY or Die. So that's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and the festival was great. It was a three-day festival. I played on day two. I opened it up. Uh, there was about 50, 60 people there. People were masked, and it was also out that, outdoors as well as indoors. I played indoors, and I played in a print shop. It was cool. And I, I signed uh, an album, you know, by someone named Emily. Emily was a very nice person, and they told me a bunch of places to play and said, I hope you come back to the South Shore, which I will, because South Shore is like a part of Massachusetts that's outside of Boston by about an hour, give or take a little. So it was, it was really cool. So, yeah. Nice. What were, the, what were your other two questions? I forgot. Uh, well, you answered two of them. Um, street teaming. All right. Because I like that's kind of kicking it old school. And I don't. I'm kind of curious how that works in 2022. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> yeah, we use social media and social media can be very helpful. Like, you know, um, I went from 945 to I think I'm at 1041 followers because of the internet but i i put that in quotes because i also was street teaming my flyers which linked to my spotify and other links while that was happening you know uh, a lot of people like think like you only have to build up your tiktok you only have to build up your your twitter to get a following but there's this thing that happens it hasn't happened to me, but I've watched it happen to other people where you could get a hundred thousand followers, right? And you're so attached to those followers. And then once you start releasing music, you realize only 50 of those people were actually listening to you because those followers weren't following you because of your music. They were following you because of what you were putting out on the internet, which had nothing to do with your music, right? Right. Or they go, I have a thousand listens on a song. I've made it. And then they play a show in somewhere they've never been. And you realize those people that came to your show or didn't come to your show weren't the thousand people going. So like the internet is a good tool. The internet does help you. But at the end of the day, it's important to street team because people can still discover you other different ways, whether that be by handing out flyers, handing out tapes, um, a lot of great musicians of all genres in the 90s did that. And I think we get caught up in the fact that because Instagram exists, we can't do that. But the reality is you can. Um, it might be received differently, but there's still there's still uh, there's still hope. So that's why I still do it. All right. That's a great, yeah. uh, great insight. It's almost like that uh, 1000 true fans um, mantra, you know. Yeah. Your followers versus true fans are, are two completely different things. Yeah. Well, Brian, um, we're winding down now, and I really want to thank you for uh, joining me sure. here on Beyond the Static. Before sure. you go, um, let everyone know where they can find you, find your music, all, all the socials and all of those things. Certainly. Uh, you could find me on all the socials under A Day Without Love, uh, YouTube, A Day Without Love, Instagram, A Day Without Love. TikTok, A Day Without Love, Ban, Spotify, A Day Without Love, Bandcamp, A Day Without Love, Venmo, A Day Without Love. It's all A Day Without Love. 
Uh, and this was really great uh, talking to you uh, about music, self-care, and uh, my upcoming tunes. So thank you for sharing. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, right. <laughs> thanks for joining me. <laughs> anytime, that's gonna anytime. make the that's gonna probably make it on tiktok <laughs> okay for sure for sure for sure for sure can i ask okay. you a, a quick question let's see maybe sure. i can edit it in where did the name a day without love come from certainly um so the name was originally a poem uh and was about a spousal abuse incident i saw in college that i stopped and i wrote a poem about it and um then i revived the name from a time that I was homeless due to Hurricane Sandy. I was, I was a homeless grad student. And uh, Day Without Love wasn't about that uh, initial incident. It was more about rising above hard situations. So uh, while the name is sad, it's really kind of a reminder of the day that you lose yourself or you lose love is the day that things get harder. So keep loving yourself, keep loving others. So. Thanks again for listening. I hope you got as much out of that as I did. I post all of the full video interviews on Buy Me A Coffee. The link will be in the description. A one-time donation gets you full access to all of the full video versions of these interviews. Also, in the description, you will find a link to the Beyond the Static mailing list get on the email list i send out a music show about once a month once every other month featuring some awesome up-and-coming artists and i only send that out to the mailing list if you want to follow me on all other social media platforms i am on instagram and facebook at beyond the static podcast also got a new tiktok that I will be posting on soon. That'll also be at Beyond This That Podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is BTS Podcast. So I hope to hear from you soon. At me on anything. Have any questions, have any bands you want to recommend, or you're in a band yourself, hit me up. Let's see what we can do. And don't forget to check in the description for a link to A Day Without Love's Bandcamp and a link to the video for DIY or Die. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you all more than you will ever know. Have a great morning, noon, and night. I'll see you next time.